You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello and welcome back to that one time on tour. As always, I am your host, Chris Swinney. Um, it is about 1 a.m. and I am in my little podcast studio slash uh, catch-all room. And I am very excited to bring you episode 15 of that one time on tour. Uh, before I tell you guys about today's episode, I want to tell you about two brand new amazing sponsors that I have uh, that just signed on. Um, first up is a little bit more local for me. It is the Guardian Brewing Company located right here in Muncie, Indiana at 514 East Jackson Street. Uh, the Guardian Brewing Company, they brew their own beer. They've got their own bar. It's a great great place and I want you guys to check it out if you are local here in town. If you are local and you go to the Guardian Brewing Company and you tell them that you heard about them on that one time on tour, you will receive a $5 gift card towards your next purchase. That's a killer deal. So if you're a listener out there from Muncie or the surrounding areas, make sure that you check that out. If you are not here in central Indiana, make sure that you go to theguardianbrewingco.com and find out where their beer is on tap in your neck of the woods. So check that out. That is theguardianbrewingco.com. My next sponsor, super, super excited about this, rockabilia.com. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to Frankie at Rockabilia for sponsoring, uh, that one time on tour. Uh, he's a great guy and, uh, he came on board and likes the show and, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you very much. Rockabilia is an amazing company. If you guys don't know what it is, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have an idea of what it is. Uh, they have band merchandise and it's all officially licensed by the bands, which that means the bands are getting paid. So, I mean, if you can go buy, you know, a Lucero shirt or you can go buy an Alexis on fire shirt and, and, you know, you want to know that the bands are going to get at least a little bit of that money. If you go on Amazon and you buy a black flag shirt, nobody in black flag is getting that money. Some dude in China is getting that money. And then when you wash the shirt, the logo is going to fall off. So Rockabilia is a different kind of a company. They have over a half million unique items. That is 500,000 unique items officially licensed by the bands. It's, it's, it's the best way to buy band merchandise. It is amazing. The largest selection around, this is like a match made in heaven for this podcast because 
just me personally, now I can get anything I want. I could have got it anyway, but now they're a sponsor. It's like, I'm definitely going to go shop there. So uh, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you're interested, go to rockabilia.com. That is R-O-C-K-A-B-I-L-I-A.com. And when you find all the cool stuff that you want, you find a propaganda shirt, you find a descendant shirt, and then you're going to check out and you're all excited and you're like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could save some money? And then you remember that you can put in the discount code PCTOTOT, that is PCTOTOT, and you get 15% off your entire order. I'm saving you money. So make sure that you check out both of my amazing new sponsors. And let's get on to the episode because, uh, you know, I'm tired. It's 1 a.m. and I'm ready to go to sleep. Philip Wynn from A Thorn for Every Heart. We had such a really good time speaking and uh, I miss the guy like crazy. Uh, I haven't seen him in years. Uh, when I was playing in Brazil, the we run Fearless Records and uh, we did uh, some tours with A Thorn for Every Heart. And, um, they're just, they're great people. Phil is one of my favorite people that I ever met on the road. And, uh, we've got some good stories and, uh, we talk about a lot of it here in this podcast. We talk about, you know, the rise and the fall of the band and, uh, some reunion talks and like all kinds of stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right into my conversation with Phil Wynn from a thorn for every heart. Hey, Phil, what's going on, man? What's up, Chris? How you doing? I'm doing really well, man. It's uh, it's great to talk to you again. It's been a really long time. It's been a real long time, buddy. It's it's kind of cool. Like you know, I I found you on Instagram, and we like we followed each other, and uh, I see your kids and your wife and everything all the time. I'm sure you see the same thing on mine, and it's nice to to see what's happened in the last you know 14, 15 years since we've hung out. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's just uh, with social media, you know what I mean? I don't have Facebook or anything, but like Instagram is the first social media I've had in a really long time. And just to kind of peek through our old friends that we've toured with or whatever, you know what I mean? And it's it's crazy. It's just a peek into their lives nowadays, you know? I mean, it's crazy, too, because when we tour together, neither of us were dads. Oh, no, dude. So no. now <laughs> I've got two kids. How many kids do you have now? I have three. Three, okay. For some reason, I thought you had four, and I was like, man, that's got to be crazy. What's it like having three? I guess it's one more harder than what I have. <laughs> you know what? It's not as bad, man. If you have two, three is nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think I have to go for it. I mean, I know you and your wife are, you know, two. Yeah, what's another one? <laughs> yeah. we, we've decided that I think we're going to cap it on two. We've got the combo. We've got the little boy and the little girl, so I think we're going we're gonna to chill for a while. Oh, yeah, that's perfect, dude. So uh, are you still out in California, I take you? Still in Chino? Yep, um, I'm in a city right next to Chino. It's called uh, Eastdale, Corona. Okay. Um, been living here for about two years. I was in Texas for a while for work. I was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for about two years. What, uh, and, what, what uh, kind of work were you doing down in Texas? You know what? I own a, um installation company where I, like, to me, my guys, we install, like, GPS tracking in, like, vehicles, construction equipment, um, Stuff if your car gets stolen, it's, it's going to get recovered. Stuff like that. That's what I do. That's really cool, man. Did that uh, did that start kind of after the band kind of went away, or was that always the thing that you were into? You know what? I did car audio for about 20 years, you know what I mean? And this kind of just went hand-in-hand hand with it, you know I mean? I was doing car audio stuff prior to uh, the band. In between the band, when we were off, you know I mean, on break or whatever, you know, and uh, – Right when we get home, I go back to work for, you know, week, two weeks, you know, make some money, then head back out, you know? 
Well, that's cool. What I'd like to ask you, I kind of start this off the same way with most of my guests. I want you to take me back to the beginning, kind of how you found music and you knew you had a passion for it. Like, what was the moment where you kind of realized that it was something that you wanted to do with your life? Like, I was very, very young. I got a Metallica tape when I was like seven years old and it changed my life. So I want, I want to hear your story on that. Dude, okay. The first CD that I ever purchased was back in 91 or 92. Um, my aunt was moving to Japan with her husband, and um, there was a music store inside of LAX airport. And um, my first CD that I bought was uh, Guns N' Roses, Usual Illusion 2. Okay. And um, So you jumped to the second there, one. You didn't get the first one. <laughs> you know what? It just it was just there. I think November Rain was out or something, and I knew it was on that album. Yeah, I've always loved music, but that, that I remember that was like the first time like I bought something and like really sat down and like studied it. You know what I mean? And just really was into it. You know what I mean? Um, I grew up. Uh, I have older sisters that were really into hair metal. Okay. You know what I mean? Which I mean, Poison. I love Poison and Def Leppard. That was my thing growing up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so from there, you mean Guns and Roses? Obviously, that was. Uh, they were. Obviously huge. And um Well when I was when I was younger and I was getting into music too, like I like some hair metal, skid row, poison, stuff like that. When I heard Guns N' Roses, it had that edge to it, almost like that punk rock edge that was dangerous. The other ones didn't seem dangerous. No, yeah, it didn't. You I mean not till you um I didn't find out till like later in life that how gnarly their lives were. Yeah. I mean, like but then from the image, I guess you would say, you know, like it seemed you know, obviously with the hair metal, the glam stuff, right? It's really, I, I you know, from there into like the L.A. Guns N' Roses, they, they incorporate like the punk rock, right? The image. Yeah, I mean, because that was they still had the makeup and the long hair, but it didn't seem so girly and like like cheesy. Exactly, exactly, definitely a lot more edge, right? Yeah. So that's 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 kind of what drew me to them, and um, from there, you know, what I mean, like I said, just. I remember seeing it. I had 20 bucks in my pocket. The CD cost like 18, 19 bucks. You know what I mean? Then I bought it. Then like, you know, um, man, I jammed that thing all the time. (laughs) Any standout tracks on on that record that you really, really liked other than like the single? You know what? This man, was it civil war that was on that album? Civil war was actually on uh, the, the blue one. Was Was that two or one? That was one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You mean like I ended up getting both okay. eventually. You know what I mean? Then just I, Civil War was actually my jam. And you had Don't, Don't, Don't Cry was on both records, but it had alternate yeah, lyrics had, on uh, the other one. Exa- exactly. 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 So, you mean, that was, that was kind of weird for me at, at a young age. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is weird, but, <laughs> you know, I guess bands do that. So, how did you uh, like start playing guitar? Was that your first instrument or was there something before that? You know what? It was bass only bass. because i had an older brother that was uh learning how to play bass and guitar you know what i mean um so when he would go to school um i was younger so school would start later for me i would um you know sneak into his room and play his guitar that's how yeah. that all started this was like in sixth grade seventh grade did you start taking like lessons right away or was it all pretty much self-taught I never took a lesson until, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty much self-taught. In in high school, I did take some guitar classes, but it was more of just hanging out with friends and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no official, like, lessons. Okay. Ever. So how do you, did you, like, what was your first band? Was it something, like, right before Thorn for Every Heart, or did you have, like, some oh, high no, school you, bands? You know, 
we had bands up in like no, I'm like I would say my first band was probably in junior high, dude. Okay. Um, it was like a punk ska band that my buddy John and I we started. It was just us two just jamming in his bedroom. You know what I mean? It was just like guitar and bass. Yeah. I mean guitar and drums. Sorry. And um, we did that for like about a year or two. And um, in high school, I started like another like punk ska band um with some other friends and uh you know I, I was always into like you know when i when i started playing music and like i was really into the punk ska yeah. um i mean i think my favorite band that i was into at the time was like homegrown or something like that you know a lot of the local bands around here i mean uh, i, I, I think growing up for me in the midwest we kind of got everything secondhand as far as like the West Coast sound, but I'm sure it was pretty a little bit more accessible to you for like the Fat Record stuff and the Epitaph, Epitaph stuff. Oh, dude, yeah. No Effects was a huge influence on me um, because you mean like this is all punk rock stuff, but yet they had the melody, yeah, and they were melodic, right? And um, they would throw in some of that punk ska stuff into their music. You know what I mean? The yeah. first album that I really got into them was actually Punk Drubic. Okay, um, great. great I knew the other albums. <laughs> Yeah, but for me, getting to them, that was the first record that, like, I'm like, yeah, dude, this is my band. And to this day, they're, they're my favorite band. I mean, to this day, they're my favorite as well. Like, I, I still listen to No Effects at least two or three times a week, man. I can't get away from it. Oh, dude. Every, you know what? When I'm working, um, I'm out, you know, I mean, in these auto dealers or wherever I'm at. I have my earbuds in, and um, I've been listening to the Hepatitis Bathtub. On audiobook. Oh yeah, I, I got that book the day it came out and read it. I haven't checked out the audiobook, but they actually do the audio correct. Like they read yeah, exactly. Their parts. That, that's what makes it. That's what makes it amazing. Is that you know they're they are reading their own parts. You know what I mean? That's great. And um, and just by listening to it, I kind of feel like I know them because of it. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Really cool. I that that book. I mean, I've read. I love biographies of musicians. I've read like you know the Motley Crue stuff. Even though I'm not a huge Motley Crue fan, I've read the book and I've read a lot of the other books. But man, that No Effects book, there's some crazy stuff in there. And I mean, once you get done reading that, you feel like you do know them, like you actually know them personally. Oh, definitely, definitely. And like I say, with the audio book too, like you know, you hear their voice. It's just like yeah. they're talking to you. That's, I mean, that's what made it so much more cool. You know, that's great. Have you have you had a chance to meet those guys over the years from touring? Never, dude. Never. Like we did. Uh, no, never have, man. I would say we did Warp Tour, but it was the year before. Okay. They played like the following year or something, you know. Well, if but, you, uh, if you ever get a things, chance, dude. if you ever get a chance to meet those guys, man, they they're, you know, Mike's a little a little crazy sometimes. He he tries to. He's not really mean. He tries to be mean, but uh, the rest of the guys, I mean, they're they're wonderful people, man. So if you get a chance to, they're they're awesome. They will not disappoint. Yeah, actually, I would really want to meet Smelly. So that's that's one guy that I would want to meet from the band. Smelly's uh, dad is going to be a guest on the podcast very soon. <laughs> you know what? I, I saw that, that um, you had uh, Eric Sandin's dad on there, and I'm like, oh, no way. That's wait, super wait, stoked. Can't wait to see that. When I was playing with the Ataris, I'm not really sure if like, he kind of liked the band or what, but for somehow we ended up friends on Facebook, and we just chat every once in a while. And you know, I'm a huge NoFX fan, so when the podcast came up, I asked him to be on the show, and he said, yes, we just haven't got our schedules together yet. Oh, definitely, dude. I can't wait for that. You know, this can be a because I just want to. My my plan for that also to any of the listeners out there that care, I'm gonna interview my mother and maybe a couple other parents from different you know band members from different bands and just kind of get that other. Now that I'm a parent, 
I kind of want to know what their thoughts were when their kids were out there doing this crazy stuff and if they totally supported it or just kind of played along. So talking to Smelly's dad, I think is going to be really cool. Oh, that's going to be so cool, man. That's, that's a, that's a great point of view, man, to, uh, to different, totally different perspectives. Like you said, you know what I mean? And I would love to see, you know I mean? Or hear about like how, what my parents thought about, you know, what it was like when I was gone, you know what I mean? For so long. Well, maybe when I, maybe when I do this, this little, like three or four part series talking to parents, maybe I'll get your folks on there. Yeah, I mean, that'd be awesome. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, tell me a little bit then a thorn for every heart. Like how did that all come together? How did you guys, I know you weren't exactly like an original. I know you came on like second wave kind of, cause they already had it. Yeah. Going. I was, I joined the band maybe six to seven months after they formed. So, um, but how it came apart, you I mean, we were all members of different bands in our town of Chino Hills. Um, uh, the members of a static lullaby and um, our band were kind of like, we were all in bands together. Our bands dismembered. Then we, they formed static lullaby and uh, thorn formed. Right. Okay. Um, I wasn't part of it as an original, you know, as an original lineup, but you know, they got together. Um, I want to say seven months later, they kind of were having some problems with their guitar player, which is our good friend. His name is Joel. Um, you know, I mean, they weren't seeing eye to eye on things. You know, we were young, stupid. Yeah. Didn't, you know, didn't really care about whatever. Everybody's you got those mean? stories, man, <laughs> for bands. So that's, I mean, and they're like, hey, Phil, you know what I mean? Um, you want to join our band? You know what I mean? We're going to be doing some stuff here pretty soon. Labels are looking at us. We really want to take this seriously. So I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm in. So were you playing? Um, by, were you playing in a band at that point, or was it just no, okay. no, no? My band uh, that I was in, we were called Nothing Approved. We were like a pop punk band. Uh, we were doing some pretty cool shows. Um, our last show that we played was let's see, uh, Yellow Card, something corporate. Finch was about to play, but they were in the studio recording. Um, what is that album? Uh, the big I album, the big album, yeah, the one with uh, what it is, burn and stuff like that. We were, they were in the process of recording that, so they couldn't play. But we had to see, yeah, yellow cars, something corporate, days away. Man, it was a really cool lineup, man. We were we were doing a lot of stuff with drive through back in the day. Okay. I mean, they were taking a liking to us, and we were gonna dismember in a sense, right? Yeah. To change our name to something else. Then um, during that transition of them changing our name, the bass player quit. His name was Phil. And he ended up forming Static Lullaby, and, um, and some with a, some other friends and whatnot. And um, so I was in between bands. I wasn't doing anything. I was just working at the time. Okay. You know what I mean? And when they approached me about joining the band, I'm like, let's do it. Awesome. And within you know within a month or two, man, we had a few showcases that we did with uh, some labels. Then um, Matt Galley picked us up as a booking agent. Okay. And he put us out on tour, like, right away. Actually, we, our first show tour out-of-town thing we did was with actually with Static Lullaby because even though, you know I mean, we weren't in bands together, we were still all really good friends. So our first tour away from home was – our show away from home was uh, with Static Lullaby. Were you touring on that, that first tour without a release, or was there something out? We you, They recorded – the band recorded an EP um, pretty much right away of, like – I think they were a band for maybe two months, two, three months. 
And Justin, our bass player, he was a, you know, recording engineer and producer. So he's like, hey, dude, let's just put something together. We'll put it out. They put out a uh, five-song EP called Silence is Golden. Okay. And um, that was released. When that was all done and getting released, they had already um, kicked off the, the original guitar player, and I already came in. Okay. So it, it, I guess everything happened so quick, man. And um, when that got released, because I remember – like, hey, man, we need to put some money in to uh, get these CDs pressed. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll put some money in. Let's do this, you know? So um, I got released. We, we released it through, like, Smart Punk Records. Okay, yeah. Um, actually, they're still around, I think. Uh, yeah, we put some stuff out through Smart Punk. They were selling our CDs and T-shirts and whatnot. They were helping us out a lot. Um, with that being said, you know, our CD was, um, it was selling pretty well, man. You know, we, we pressed, I think, 1,000 initially. But then within like a month or two, we had to go press a few a few thousand more. Wow. So um, at the time, you know, it was MySpace, dude. That, that was huge. <laughs> and um, we were kind of like the hype band at the time. You're like, who's this band? So people were checking us out. It used to freak me out on the MySpace stuff because bands got labeled MySpace bands. But it, it was just it was insane that a band could record a couple songs, put it up on MySpace and all of a sudden, within a couple of weeks, they had like 80,000 people that liked their band and then they were touring. Like, not even, it was just insane. We were definitely a MySpace band, man. We didn't like break through like some of these MySpace bands, but you know, we, we got our, definitely got our big jump being by being on there. You know what I mean? Uh, Matt Galley uh, started booking us and we got a lawyer pretty much pretty fast right after we put that out, you know, on MySpace. And, um, they helped uh, shop us around a little bit, and we ended up um, signing with Kickball Records, which was a part of Interscope, Inter- right? Interscope, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was awesome, man. It was, you know, being a, bu- a band, not even a year, and so already being signed. When you guys signed with Interscope, like, was were there other offers on the table from other labels? Like, what made you guys decide to go with Interscope? Um, Matt Galley ended up being part of the label, the okay. part of the imprint of Kickball. So he's like, you know, we're going to. We want to kind of do this grassroots type of deal, you know what I mean? Like through touring, we were, you know, we toured all the time, dude, for the yeah. first like four or five years, like all the time, just because with Matt Galley, you know, at the time he was doing, um, he's doing sales and he was doing Taking Back Sunday, My Chemical Romance, he had some pretty big names, dude, and uh, we ended up going out on tour with these guys, you know, just because we were just affiliated with them. So that's cool. He put us all out there, man. It was awesome, but uh. Yeah, we we worked very hard. And was that so? When you you signed the Interscope, did I'm trying to remember the timeline. I have notes, but I'm I'm not looking at them because I know you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so the EP's out. Did they like re re release it, or did you guys do something new right away for Kickball Inter, for Interscope? Yeah, they they wanted some songs off there because they were um, we put out the EP, and maybe within four months, Interscope bought the EP from us. Okay, they bought the recordings and. It, pretty much everything ceased right there with with the EP. You know what I mean? They weren't selling it anymore. We had it on MySpace. That was pretty much in, on MySpace in pure volume, I believe. That's where it was on. And um, uh, they're like, hey, we want to put you guys in the studio, you know, write some more songs. We might pick some songs off of here, you know what I mean? And we can re-record them onto the, to the album, which we did, you know what I mean? So... So the first thing then was a full length, so it was like a mixture of the old EP songs with some new stuff? Exactly, exactly. And what was what was the name of that record? Uh, things aren't so beautiful now. 
And about what year was that? Was that when you and I, when that we was, toured together? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. We were on with you when that got released. Okay. That was the Emory Brazil. Yeah. Uh, tour. From, from yeah. first to last. Uh, trying to think who else was on that tour. A lot of bands were on that tour. Yeah, dude. Let me see. <laughs> actually, I, I was peeking through my stuff, and I actually found my laminate from that tour. <laughs> I have mine, too, in my little scrapbook. <laughs> I actually, I'm going to try to pull it out right here. Yeah, man. Pull it out and see what's on there. And it's funny. Yeah, right, it's yeah. funny. Like I've the first, you know, this is going to be episode 15 and the first 14 episodes. I've talked to some people that had nothing to do with it, but a lot of the people I've talked to were on that tour. So hopefully at some point this, this podcast will move away from that one huge tour we did. <laughs> yeah. That was actually that was so much fun, dude. Yeah. It was a great tour. Yeah, let's see. Emory Brazil from first to last name taken. Down to Earth Approach, Emmanuel, and A Thorn for Every Heart. Yeah, that was a great tour, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez, dude. That was a long tour, too, man. That was crazy. You guys were on the whole thing, though, right? Yeah, we were on the whole thing. It started in Seattle, and it ended in Seattle, and it was like eight or ten weeks all across the United States and Canada. It was crazy. Yeah, we did like the last like, three weeks of it, I believe, because we jumped on after Emmanuel jumped off. Like, yeah, it, I remember it, it, it Emmanuel blocked. jumped off. We did some West Coast stuff with you guys, and I'm pretty sure we did some Texas with you guys as well. Yeah, yeah, we did all Texas stuff. Because I remember when I first when we first met you, we were in Nashville. We were playing at um, some some venue in Nashville, and uh, <laughs> that's when I joined. That first, I started you playing. Joined the next day. Yeah. He joined the next day because the, the, I remember uh, the Brazil dude, their bass player, he quit. played that show. Yeah. He quit that sh- after that show. Then you played the following. Yeah, and right. that, that's funny that you guys, you didn't even get to see them with him. Like your first impressions were, oh, yeah, Swiss is just in the band. I was just the tour manager before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I was, I was thinking before I got on the phone with you, and I'm planning on having Kelvin on here as well, but uh, I just, one of my favorite stories ever, and I don't even know if you were involved, but we were in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, Kelvin and I were hanging outside smoking a cigarette or something, and we met these big, like, and I don't even know if this is PC or not, but, like, big cholo guys. <laughs> and and we, they, they wanted to, like, hang out with us, and they wanted to smoke a joint, and I think he was probably into it. I wasn't because I don't really do that. But we got in the car with these guys, and one of the big dudes was like, hey, I sing. And and Kelvin's like, I sing too. And then they played, like, their, their band's, like, instrumental demo which was really good and the guy started singing and then kelvin started harmonizing with him and then kelvin started singing it was like the craziest thing ever we hung out with the guys for like two hours that is awesome dude <laughs> i think it was just me and kelvin i'm not sure if yeah, you that, were involved that, or... i don't remember i have a really good memory i don't remember that <laughs> okay well you have a good memory then I, i'd really like to before we kind of go on further that now we've jumped to the part where you and i are hanging out tell me some stories from that tour that you remember anything in particular that comes to mind Oh my gosh, dude! We were. This was actually right before the tour started. Um, we were actually driving. We just finished a tour with, uh, what's that band? Funeral for a friend. We okay. just ended that tour, and we drove home because we had a radio show to do. Then after that radio show, we left California to drive all the way out to uh, Nashville to start the Emory tour. And uh, our merch guy, Vince. Um, I remember with, Vince. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he he was vegetarian for a long time, and I don't know how we talked him into eating a chicken sandwich from like Carl's Jr. Yeah, and that that chicken sandwich dude tore him up because you know obviously not eating meat for 
at least four or five years at yeah. this point. I, we suckered him into doing it. And like, as we were driving out there, um, it's like in the middle of the night, two, three o'clock in the morning. Um, he's like, dude, you guys need to pull over. I was driving. You need to pull over. I need to use the restroom really bad. So we pull off to the side of the interstate. He runs. I see him running out to like the, the desert, right? <laughs> yeah. Because he had to go really, really bad. I guess what happened was he was crapping so much in one area that he was kind of like moving around, right? <laughs> and, the, and and the last part, like the last, you know, me, he's like he was he was finishing up. He was next to our trailer, and like um, with his head facing in towards the wheel well, right? Okay. And um, I saw him run out in the field. I didn't see him go back next to the van or the trailer, so. I thought it would be funny. Hey, let's drive up a little bit. Let's pretend like we're leaving him. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of drove up maybe about 20 yards or so. And um, as I'm pulling away from that dead stop, I felt a thud. And, like, you know, I felt the trailer kind of jump. Wow. Didn't think anything of it. So we pulled up like 20 yards. We stop. We see him, like, running towards the van. You know what I mean? He busts open the, the barn doors on the van. And he's crying he's like you guys fucking ran me over <laughs> i was like oh my i'm like i was in shock i'm like what 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 happened he's like pretty much he was standing next to the van you know what i mean squatting next to the trailer and the van and i pulled forward uh the willow of the trailer hit him in the head wow he spun around fell in his own di- uh, on his, in his own crap <laughs> and um i ran over his foot and leg with the trailer. Wow. So that's what that thud was. Was, and, um, was he okay? I mean, it... he was, he was fine. You know, he had some really gnarly, like, uh, bruising, uh, that looked just like tire marks, Okay. you know? Yeah. And gravel was like embedded in his skin for, I want to say a good week or so. I felt really bad, but it was really funny <laughs> at the time. You know what I mean? So that, that was a very memorable, uh, story that I had going into that tour. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. So what were what were your first like impressions? You guys had been doing some big tours, and that tour was fairly large. Like the shows were really good. What was your first impression of everybody that you met, and when you got on that tour, like how was it for you guys? Dude, it was amazing, dude. This this was actually our first tour, like because we, we did like little smaller runs with different bands, you know, like a week stuff, two week stuff. But this was the first big tour that we were part of okay. at the time. And uh, dude, it was amazing. We're like. You know, people would come see us, you know, at these other shows, whatnot, but it wouldn't be that big of a crowd or anything. But once we hopped onto this tour, it was like a night and day difference. Like, oh my goodness, dude, because we were opening, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just, I just remember when I met you guys, especially you and Kelvin, like, I mean, the other guys were great too, but I felt I, I really connected with you guys and it was great to have more friends on the tour. Like I didn't meet anybody on that tour that I didn't like, but you guys, I just, I seemed like. You know, least, we hung out with you a lot. Yeah, we I mean, I remember hanging out with you like every day, man. Oh yeah, yeah. We just go sh- listen to the band, or just strolling through the neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Just kind of around the venue and stuff. Yeah. That's what we were doing. And I, st- I still, I was, I was moving uh, back from. Well, I was living in, in Alabama for a while, then on the beach, and then I moved to Jamaica for a job. And when I moved back from Jamaica to Indiana, I was going through an old. Uh, tote of stuff that I had and I still have my a thorn for every heart's hoodie that you guys gave me. Jeez, dude. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's very old. It's got some holes in it, but it's still it's still rocking, man. You know what? I have a picture of you somewhere wearing um it's a jogger. 
Yeah. The yeah. gray with red print, maybe? I, yeah, I had a jogger, and I think I also had a zippy, like a hoodie. And I'm pretty sure I had a couple shirts. Like, you guys pretty much hooked me up. <laughs> yeah, dude. I actually, I, I remember having a photo. I have, you know, I mean, pictures and drives and just random things like everywhere, dude. If you and have, if you have any, if, yeah, if you have any pictures of us together or anything, send them to me and I'll put it up in the show notes for the, for the episode. Oh, uh, we'll do buddy. I got to go do some fishing, but I know I got something. <laughs> do some fishing. Okay. So we, is there any other stories with that tour or do you want to like move on? I'm interested. You know what? There are. Actually, it, it was funny because I remember when we, we, when we hit up that Nashville tour, um, that was the first date for us was that Nashville show. Um, I remember meeting a girl and her bandmates, and we were talking, you know, I mean, just, you know, oh, you know what, well, we play in this band. It was actually Haley and the dudes from Paramore. Okay, yeah. They they were at the show. They were at the show, and... Um, I think, I, I, think and, I met them, too, because, I mean, I, you know, I'm acquaintances with them. I don't know them very well, but I do, now that you're saying that, I've totally spaced out that they were at that show. They were at that show, and I remember talked to them the, the following year at Warp Tour. Um, they were playing um, another stage, and our stage, we were playing on the smartphone stage, and we ended up uh, next to each other, you know, playing, and I remember just chit-chatting with them. You know, I mean, like, oh, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, you knew who we were at the time. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah, we saw you guys at, remember, you talked to us at, uh, I forget the venue name, but uh, in Nashville, I'm like, yeah, 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 what's I going think, on? I think know? the venue was called The Muse. The Muse, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I remember that. I have a decent Damn. memory. I'm older than you, though, so I'm like, I'm starting to lose stuff, but I still remember little bits and pieces. <laughs> so I wanted but to yeah, do that, this. That, I wanted to do this podcast, so maybe my my I would fill in the gaps in my brain with everybody else's stories. <laughs> yeah, man. That, that when when you started doing this, and you're like, oh, you know, when you asked like, hey, dude, I want to have you as a future guest, and like, I saw your little lineup. I'm like, dude, this is so cool. It's been going really, really well, man. And I, I wanted to have you on sooner. It's just, you know, scheduling and trying to get everybody in. It's I'm glad I'm finally having you on here because it's it's always fun to talk to people that I'm a fan of and that, that I've met that maybe I didn't tour with. But, you know, someone like you that we actually had, you know, three or four or five weeks on the road together. It, it's a, it's cooler to talk to someone that we actually have experiences together. Yeah, man. And, and the funny thing is, is after the tour, we, we always kept in touch like um you were playing in other bands. They're like, Hey Phil, hey, can you, you know, give my band a shout out or something or do something like that on my street? I'm yeah. like, yeah, oh, yeah, dude, let's do this. Oh I'm yeah. Like, you guys hooked me up. Cause I, I had a couple other bands I was playing in at the time and we were like kind of startups and you guys had quite a presence online. So yeah, man, you were so, so generous and, and nice to help us out that way. I appreciate it, man. I did. I said, you know, we became boys after that, you know what I mean? And we've always kept in touch up until, you know, probably within the last, you know, I would say, years. I, I'd say like when, uh, when I joined the Ataris, I think you and I hadn't spoken for a while. And then there were a couple of times in there where maybe I, maybe we kept in touch a little bit when we were in LA or something. I don't think we ever saw each other, but, no, uh, I, yeah. but then on Instagram, I saw you one like people you might know. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Phil. Like, so yeah, it's awesome to reconnect, man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I think the last time I saw you was when we were on tour, we were passing through and we ended up staying at your house in, uh, in Muncie. In Muncie. Yeah, I, I remember that, man. That was a lot of fun. I don't even know if I went to the show. I think I just said, you guys can come. Here's my address. <laughs> yeah, we were actually, I, I don't know if we're passing through or playing nearby. So I forget exactly. But I, I think I you guys might have played in, you might have played in Indy or Chicago or somewhere. And like my, my house was on the way to the next one. Exactly. That's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. So, yeah, I, I totally spaced that until you brought that up. I forgot that that even happened. <laughs> 
Yeah, dude, that, that, that was quite a quite a while ago. My, my house, uh, it's funny, a lot of the people that have been on the podcast, they always bring up this thing. I remember when we stayed at your house. My house was kind of like this wayward house for bands when they would be on tour. <laughs> Oh yeah, dude. It'd be, it'd be hard to do that now with my kids. I'd be they'd probably drive everybody crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. You know what I mean? I I've had a few friends. I got my offer to them. Like, hey, if you guys are passing through, dude. You know I mean, just swing by. I got a pretty decent sized house over here in California. <laughs> cool, man. So uh, after that tour was over, then like, what was next? Were you guys just more touring, more touring. I mean, I seem to I, in my my research that I did. On, on you guys, I saw that, you know, after that, you guys did a full length for Interscope, but it didn't actually come out, did it? Yeah, yeah, we we got a, uh, we did a full length with uh, Matt Squire and Mark Coppice, actually. Wow, They okay. recorded, uh, and... What, um, what was it like recording with Mark? He, he seems like a really good guy. I've met him a couple times oh, in passing. Sweetest dude, man. He was hilarious. Because um, it's a studio out here in L.A. that Travis and uh, Mark own. Okay. And I get, at the time, uh, Blink was on hiatus and it was all the plus 44 stuff when we were recording with them. Okay. And, um, it was actually, they were amazing, dude. Like, Oh, do you guys need anything? You know what I mean? Just like regular dudes. Right. And funny, just cracking jokes and just, just being really, really, really sweet dudes. So was it Matt Squire and Mark at the same time? Like was Mark doing some, uh, Squire did, um, the initial like 10 or 11 songs. And um, the label wanted some more songs. They're like, hey, let's uh, get Mark Office to do a few songs. Because, you know, we, we live fairly close. And um, the label wanted a few more songs for B-sides and whatever. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we ended up doing two songs with him. Okay. So um, great experience. Just a bummer that it didn't get released because um, – I thought they were great songs, you know, you had, uh, so what happened with that? Like, did it, I mean, I mean, I know in the Ataris, you know, when like Ataris were on Columbia and then, uh, the newer record kind of got pushed to a subsidiary and then a lot of people got fired. So it seems like you hear that story with, with all kinds of bands. Like, is that kind of what happened? Did it just kind of yeah, you know what? around? Matt Galley was part of the label. He left the label to form photo finish Okay, because, I think Interscope, there's a lot of red, red, you know, red tape. We're like, you know, hey, man, you guys can't do that, this and that. And he, he just kind of like, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. And with that being said, uh, the our subsidiary that we were on um, got, you know, absorbed by the company. So we were on Interscope. Okay. Everything was set to be released. We had a release date. But, like, I want to say about a month prior to it, like, hey, you know what? We want to do some more promotion to it, so we're going to pull it we're going to push the date back to another date get getting pushed 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 and they're like um well we can't work with you guys anymore for whatever reason you know what i mean and and they own the recordings they own the masters is there any way that have you tried to get them back i mean what's what's the status on that you know what our i think we we did look into seeing how much it would cost to get it back but yeah. at the time dude it was just who has money like that you know what i mean just lying around unless we you know went to another label and they bought it out or whatever. You know what I mean? It just wasn't doable. It probably still isn't doable. So did that kind of contribute to the downfall of the band? Like of the band actually stopping playing? No, we, I would say that definitely, you know I mean? Being dropped, that was a, that was a huge blow, man. Like an ego thing. Like, uh, you know what I mean? You thought you were doing something so cool and, you know, want to make a difference right you know what i mean i'm not yeah. saying that we wrote the best songs that you know I mean with 
would sustain us, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we didn't write the best songs, but they were great to us, and we wrote the best song that we could write, yeah. and we wanted people to hear it. I mean, there are releases out there um, because the label was sending out, um, uh, like, advanced copies to, like, writers and whatnot, so they're out there. And so you, you, you have a copy of it, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have copies. We have the, the master. Like, dude, Interscope was, like, just throwing money at us, dude. Yeah. Like, I... I 250 plus for sure. Wow. Wow. So They're like, yeah, do it. yeah, do it. Do so it. Do it. What are know? the, what are the legal ramifications? I mean, are you guys allowed to like put something up online without charging money? I mean, like, is it, is it, a, it can, can you let the people hear it or is there just so much red tape? It's, I don't think we can put it out officially like that, even for free, you know, because they do own the masters. Right. Yeah. And it is, those recordings are, do belong to them. Um, but it is out there. Like I said, we, it's not because we leaked it or anything. It's just because they sent out so many advanced copies to writers and you know for reviews yeah. and whatnot, you know. So it's out there. So it's on the internet. Did you guys do your publishing through Interscope, or did you have your publishing through somebody else? We did all the publishing through BMI. Okay, okay. So I mean, are you still getting checks once in a while? <laughs> every now and then, I haven't seen one in in a while. But I mean, every now and then they'll pop up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's it's always crazy. Like they're always big at first, and then years later, they're like, you know, I can go buy a you know a soda with the money. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like that amount now. But I mean, I'm sure they recouped everything from that first album. They, I'm sure. sure they recouped everything from that. That's why, like, I wish the the issue that I have with major labels a lot of the times because I have a lot of friends that have gone through the exact same thing that you're going through is that okay, you shelve the record, you drop the band. What good is it doing you? It's not doing you any good at all. Give it back to the band. I just, I mean, it makes me mad that you guys can't release the stuff that you guys did on that record. You know, I don't know what it is now. I mean, if we were to maybe get some, uh, some help from some, like, you know, some lawyer, maybe some advice, some, I mean, that'd be freaking cool to have something like that out. Like we even talked about in the past, like, let's just re-record them because they just own those recordings. Yeah, they, they own the, they own the masters you know? of that record. You guys own, I'm sure you guys, you guys wrote them. I mean, you guys can go re-record yeah, yeah. anything you want. Exactly. exactly. I mean, that so kind of, a lot of the people out there listening, I'm not sure we don't get super into business on this pod, on this podcast, but you know, like the reason that Prince changed his name to that symbol wasn't because he was crazy. It was because he wanted out of his contract. Yeah, he couldn't record as Prince, so yeah. That's what he so he changed his name to a symbol that you couldn't pronounce, you couldn't even say because it's just a symbol. And then he re- released all those other records. People don't ever really think about the business side of things, and it's got to be super frustrating. Even now, this many years later, that you have this great record that you guys did that's just sitting somewhere. Yeah, I got to send you some songs. So I have some. I, I have all the MP3s. I really, I really want to hear it, man. I'm excited to hear it. You know, it sounds amazing because Matt Squire. Uh, mix a handful of songs. He did majority of the songs, but then um, let's see, Matt Squire. We had Neil Avron make wow. some songs on there too. Okay, dude, we had some big names on there, dude. That that's that's crazy. So what? So that record got shelved, and that was a kind of a blow to the band. So what actually did happen? Because I mean, I just remember at one point I just kind of quit hearing stuff about the band. Yeah, you know, I mean, at, at, when that happened, it, it was definitely a big blow to us. I mean, we were, you know, we're like, fuck, dude, what are we gonna do? We had a bunch of tours all lined up too, but after that, you know, I mean, in support of the release and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but during, man, there was a tour that we did with. Uh, it was the Sleeping, A Day to Remember. 
and another band, Valera, I believe that's what the name was. Okay. And um, our record was supposed to be released during that tour. Then it got pulled, right? Like maybe a week or two before it came out. Wow. They told us, like, we, we can't, we're not going to release it. We're going to push it back because of this and that. Like I said, it got pushed back a few times. So um, by the end of that tour, we're like, okay, so what's going what's gonna to happen? And at this time, um, we were in talks with uh, Freeze Management. Okay. They, you know, I mean, they liked us. They wanted to work with us, and uh, we were working with them for a few months. Then they got the call saying that, hey, we're going to drop the band and shelf the album. You know I mean, man, they called us and like, hey, man, this is what's going on. What do you guys want to do? <laughs> Fuck, dude. You know, like I said, we had some tours lined up, but then we're like, well, we're doing these tours to support the album. That was yeah. You don't you don't just want to be released. out there spinning your wheels. I mean, you're not. That was one thing with the Ataris when I was playing with the Ataris. There was so much red tape and so much different things going on with the new record that we were recording. We just kept doing these almost like greatest hits tours. It's like, yeah, it's fun to be on the road, but if you're not furthering your career, it's kind of it's kind of pointless, right? Yeah, yeah. At that point, like I said, dude, and we're like, we can't continue. Like, we can't afford to do all these tours without supporting anything. We got nothing. To, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it was just bad. And we we pulled a few tours that we had a. Uh, booked and um and during that time let's see um i think jeff left the band shortly after shortly after that jeff left the band and uh um we were looking for somebody else we ended up getting our our buddy casey out of uh dallas he's a friend that we met through touring you know what i mean and uh he ended up moving to california and you know, stayed in touch and uh, Kelvin asked him, like, hey man, you want to come play with us? And that was uh, the second reincarnation of the band in a sense, you know, we had uh, a new drummer because we never had a permanent drummer. Um, when on the Emory tour, you met Matt. We had a guy named Matt play. He was yeah. out of Boston. I remember Matt. Uh, no, he's out in New York. But um, yeah, so he played with us for a little bit things didn't work out so we for a while we were just uh we were just you know floating drummers you know having friends play we had a buddy tyler he actually was in the band uh, all this happened with us getting dropped was when he was in the band and after we got dropped a few months later he ended up leaving the band to go play for another band so okay. we were down a guitar player and drummer so casey joined the band and another buddy of ours named matt he was the one that actually did the studio session drumming in um on It's Hard to Move You the album that got shelved. Okay. He was a buddy of Matt Squires that he brought in to uh, record for us. And at this point, like even when you guys were hot and heavy with Interscope, I mean, is everybody just playing in the band, or do you guys have jobs? Like, what what is your sit your setup during that? You know time? what? I always had a job. Like, I've always worked. Like, even we'd be gone for like six months straight. I'd go home. I'd start work the next day. Like, um, I worked, you know, I had a lot of friends that owned like stereo shops and whatnot. So I would go and help out, you know what I mean? And work. Um, Kelvin, if we were home long enough, you'd end up doing something. You know I mean? For the most part, a lot of the guys, it was either myself or Justin. Justin was always recording bands. Okay. He was booking bands and recording bands. Like we get home, like, you know, I, I have this project I need to do for two, three days or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? So he was working, doing that. And I was working uh, at stereo shops and stuff, and everybody else was just kind of living it up, sleeping in. 
So you guys recorded another EP then, correct? Yes. After um, our, you know, I mean, our lineup change uh, with Kelvin, me, Casey, Matt, and Justin, we recorded an EP. Um, we actually did a lot of it out of my house and Justin's house. Okay. So, well, actually, it didn't turn out. I thought it turned out amazing. It sounded great. Um, you know, couldn't tell that it was done in a house. <laughs> but hey, man, everybody has their home studios nowadays. That's not amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, we recorded uh, five songs and put out an EP. We toured on that for a little bit. And uh, that was towards the end of the band, dude. It's just we were coming back, breaking even on tours. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, totally. Or totally losing money. And, and we couldn't really do it anymore. Um, so that's what kind of brought on, you know, I mean, the hiatus from the band. Was it kind of like something that built up over time or do you remember like the moment when it was like, man, this is just not working for us anymore? Yeah. You know, we were doing a tour, um, we were, we were doing a tour and, uh, and, um, man, we were just losing money. I mean, our van was just not agreeing with us, you know what I mean? The radiator broke. I had to swap it on the side of the road, type of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've been there <laughs> many times. It, you know, it's just things like that. We're like, oh, dude, this sucks. Like, it was like bad thing after bad thing was just happening. You know what I mean? Then um, shows weren't any good to where like we were just losing money. You know what I mean? And I remember one time, like, dude, we have enough money for like the next for gas for the next, next few shows, dude. And that's it. Hopefully we sell some stuff so we can survive. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That type of deal. And this is, we knew, we knew, but didn't know, like this was going to be like our last like tour. Yeah. You know, it was with Ivory line, I believe. Yeah. It was Ivory line. And the, the shittiest part of this was, um, we were out of California for about two months straight because we were, you know, road dogging it. Right. And our first show back in California was in this uh, city called um, Modesto, which is like Central California. I've been to Modesto. Uh, it's my my head got stolen. Okay. Um, and Casey, his guitar head got stolen. So did they steal like, like right out of the van or the trailer? Like what was the what no was no the at the venue? Oh, at the, at the, the venue? venue. Wow. Yeah. And like we had road cases on all our stuff, and I had like a bright yellow like road case and. Um, he just walked off with it. That's crazy, man. So that that that, that was just a nail in the coffin, right? Of unfortunate events. <laughs> you guys are like worried that it's probably going to be the last tour anyway, and then you get back home and somebody steals their stuff. Yeah, dude. And we had maybe about five or six shows left after that. You know, luckily the other band we were on tour with, they're like super great dudes, and they're like, "Yeah, dude, she's our gear, man. No worries, no worries." Yeah. You know. So that's what we did for the remaining of that tour. And we did a few shows after that, like locally, but that was pretty much it, dude. Has there been any reunions since then? Or has there been any talk of anything coming up like soon? Or like, do you guys talk a lot still? Yeah, we, we do actually. We talk um, often, actually. We actually just text the dudes. We have a little group thread text thing that we, we always send out to each other. You know, um, we had a reunion show two years ago. Back in 2016, um, it was us in a static lullaby. Uh, we played at the Roxy in L.A. Okay. And um, actually, it was a great turnout, dude. It was uh, 350, 400 kids there. Wow. You know, a decent amount, dude. You know, a lot of family and stuff, too. But, you know, it was, it was really cool to uh, be able to play 
and uh, have fun like that. You know what I mean? So that was just a one-off kind of thing? That was a one-off deal. Yeah. Like, actually, I was living in Texas Okay. at the time. And uh, I flew out just you know, maybe a few days prior to rehearse and uh, play the show. Wow. Yeah, you know, but it was it was fun, dude. But as for anything else, you know, we always talk like, hey, let's let's do some recordings or something, you know yeah. what I mean? But I mean, we're all busy, you know, with uh with me with kids and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> kids you know, change, you know. Yeah, dude, they change everything, man. I mean, I wouldn't cha- trade them for the world, but my life is way different now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I know, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like I have I have I have my guitars and my amps all set up, dude, uh, um in my house, but my amp probably hasn't been turned on in two months. <laughs> my my amp has not been turned on for probably a year. I have an amp at work because I teach guitar for a living, so I play that amp there. But my, I'm, I'm looking at my my orange right now, and it's just sitting on the floor, and it's got dust on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I, like I said, I have a whole corner of my house upstairs that is just dedicated to, like, I have some recording gear that I have set up, but I don't use you know, my amps, I two my two half stacks and my guitars are just hanging on my wall. Wow. You know, collecting dust. I mean, that's, but hey, it looks nice. Yeah, it, it, great, it looks good when people come over. Like I'm, I'm sitting in my little makeshift podcast studio and I've got my guitars on the wall and my, my amps in the corner. And I just bought my son a little Squire Fender Squire mini the other day. So he's got, he's nope, two yeah, and a I half. Saw that. Yeah. I saw that. He's two and a half. He's got his first guitar. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, man. So that's cool, man, that you're getting your, your, your son into music, you know? Um, I mean, I, I told this to a couple of the other guests too, and I'm sure that you'll probably feel the same way. Like if Silas, my son, if he comes to me when he's like, you know, 16, 17 years old, he's like, Hey dad, this summer, me and my friends are going to try to nickel and dime it across the country playing music. I'll be like, okay, let's go, man. I'll help you out. I'll drive the van. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I want to be the same way because my, my son, he's six now, but um, probably for the past eight months or so, I bought him a kit. So he takes drum lessons. He has a drum teacher that comes to our house. Wow, that's cool. That um, once a week, and she gives him drum lessons, dude. And uh, it's freaking awesome, dude. That um, he he wants to do some type of music. I don't care what my kids do. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't want to push anything on my kids, but I definitely want to make it available to them. You know. Exactly, and that, that's how I feel about it. And um, no, if you want to play, yeah, let's do it. You know, cool. we, I, I found a kid on my Craigslist or something, something like that, and uh, we bought him one. He liked it. So I took a few lessons on it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy you something better. Yeah. So ended up going to uh, Sam Ash and ended up getting him a, a Ludwig um, pocket kit, the Questlove pocket kit. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit of an upgrade. It sounds good <laughs> for what it is, you know, and uh, great learning. That's cool. Learning uh, kit, you know what I mean? So it'll grow with him for the next couple of years. Well, I'll tell you, so. man, we're uh, we're approaching an hour, and uh, that's where I usually like to cap these things off. I feel like we haven't scratched the surface, but I feel like we've talked about a lot of good stuff, though, as well. Um, do you have anything coming up right now, musically or otherwise, that you would like to talk about, something to promote, or is anything going on no, like that? You know, you know what, Thorne, we've talked recently about maybe re-recording some songs, and possibly they asked us to do a show recently Um out here, they have a lot of those emo nights where, like, a lot of DJs, uh, yeah, you know, spin records at these clubs, right? You know, some nostalgic stuff. You know, what I mean, it and seems like it's us. coming back around. I mean, I I hear about the emo night stuff quite a bit. Like, you know, my singer and the guitarist Chris Rowe just did something with Marco from Sugar Cole out in L.A. And uh, Kelvin was telling me a while back that he was doing some emo night stuff. Yep, yep, yeah. It's a it's a it's where he does it. It's out here in. Um, Pomona, California. Okay. Uh, they do emo nights. They just had their one year anniversary and they wanted us to play it, which was like the 12th. 
just a couple days ago. And um, they wanted us to play, but just not enough time to get everything ready. You know I mean, that would have been a pretty cool show to do. Um, I think Nate from Finch was actually the, the guest DJ for that night. That's cool, man. You know, that's crazy, man. But as for anything new, you know, there's nothing that I'm really doing musically. You know okay. I mean, I think, like I said, the Thorn guys, we all wanted to get together and we want to re-record those songs that we did for the for the Scrapped album, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, hopefully we can do that soon and put that out. Well, man, I, I really look forward to hearing the song. So, yeah, if you get around to it, you know, send me send me some stuff. I'd love to check it out. I'll definitely. I'll send you the complete album that uh, that was uh, Scrapped, dude. You know, it, it sounded amazing, like – Everything about it was awesome. Great. It was great mix. Great everything, dude. Just a bummer that not many people heard it. Well, I'll tell you what, man. We'll end this uh, conversation. I'm going to ask you a question. Now, this is called That One Time on Tour. So I have actually two two-part question. I want to hear about the coolest like city or place that you've been to on the road and then maybe one that you did not like. I would say place i did not like on tour was camden new jersey for the warp tour okay i've, um, I've done that one it's it's not the most wonderful place <laughs> i almost got arrested i guess i kind of did get arrested they handcuffed me put me on the curb oh he, he pretty much ticketed me we were we left the venue where we were playing and um we wanted to go get something to eat because the catering at warp tour wasn't whatever it just wasn't good so we just popped out with our van to go get something real quick but, um, you know, I mean, as we were coming back in, the police officer's like, you guys can't come back in here. Like, we got to play. We're, we're going to be on in, like, an hour. And uh, he's like, nope, 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 can't come back in. Security guard flags me in. All right, no, come in. Go in. So I pull in back to our parking spot, and that cop, dude, he was running at us. He pulled me out of the car, handcuffed me. He's like, oh, you made the biggest mistake of your life. I'm like, what did I just do? I just drove a van and parked it. You know what I mean? He's like, not even the president can get into here. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just power tripping, dude. And uh, Kevin Lyman um, found out that I was getting arrested for trying to park our van. He came out and cleared everything up. He's like, you know what I mean? And yeah. the only thing I got was two tickets, which I had to hire a lawyer. You know, us living in California, it wasn't practical for me to go fly out there and do that. So we hired a lawyer cost me a few grand to wow. get the tickets all cleared up and stuff, dude. So that was the worst. <laughs> um, That's crazy, man. As for the best, man, dude, I, I, once I, 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 there's no way I could put, you know, a finger on show. I would say the best cities I've ever been to were like, let's say Portland, Seattle, okay. uh, Denver, you know, did you, those, did you guys go, do anything out of the country at all during the band? Canada. Okay. Did, yeah, you, do, we, did uh, you just do like West Canada, Western Canada? Did you do anything like anything else? Yeah, we did Western Canada. And um, that's funny because our drummer couldn't get in because he had a outstanding, um, he didn't have a warrant, but he was arrested a few months prior to us playing that, you know what I mean? But they just didn't, they're like, nope, nope, he can't come in, can't come in. So we got him in the hotel and, uh, and uh, the drummer from the band Roses Are Red. He ended up filling for us. He learned the songs in like an hour. Wow. Two hours. He played with us before. They they toured with us before. So that's cool. Um they they knew the songs. So it was easy for him. He did a few shows with us, but then once we went back to the States, uh 
our drummer buddy that was filling in for us was able to play. That's cool. But man, but uh, yeah, dude, Canada's beautiful, man. That's yeah, that's great, man. So you guys never got to do anything overseas, though. No, no, we were planning on it, but then um, wow, this stuff went through with, yeah. the, with the label. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Phil, man, it's been great catching up with you and actually hearing your story, you know, from your own mouth. It's it's kind of like you were saying that no effects book. It, it means a lot more when they're saying it. So it's I can look on Wikipedia and see all the stuff, but it's great to hear it from your mouth, man. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners or tell me? You know what? There's one thing that I wanted to bring up with you. OK, I remember when you and I we were we were in L.A. playing the Troubadour. I'm sorry, not true, but it was the Knitting Factory. Okay. And after the show, all of us were hanging out in the parking lot, I mean, getting ready to go. Uh, we were all doing Back to the Future trivia. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I remember. You that. and Jeff, our guitar player at the time, he was, uh, you guys were going at it, but you just, you totally slayed him with any knowledge <laughs> of that movie, dude. So I, that, that was a great memory. That was really funny too. Uh, that I remember on that tour. I don't know if it was. I know it was Jeff with the Back to Back to the Future, but somebody else. I don't know what band they were in. But I'm also really good at Saved by the Bell trivia. Oh shit! <laughs> so so yeah, the listeners out there, we've got a the TOTOT hotline. They can call in, call in, and try to stump me. If you stump me with a Back to the Future or Saved by the Bell, I'll put it on an episode. So. That's awesome. <laughs> but hey man, I just want to thank you so much. It's it's so great catching up with you and you've got an amazing beautiful family and I'm so happy for you and uh couldn't have happened to a better guy, man. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Well, I tell you what, when this episode's out, I'll get a hold of you and let you know, but uh yeah, man, it's it's been wonderful and uh have a great night. You too, brother. We'll keep in touch, brother. Talk to you later, man. Thanks. All right, later. Bye. <laughs> And there it was, my conversation with Philip Wynn from A Thorn for Every Heart. I had a great time talking to Philip. It had been so long since we've actually talked. We, you know, shot the shit back and forth on uh, on Instagram, but that's about it. So I'm very happy for Philip and his beautiful family, and I'm glad that he's doing well. Uh, but I am, you know, really hoping for that uh, A Thorn for Every Heart reunion. Hopefully they'll get back together. Uh, he is going to send me that record that we talked about. I can't wait to check that out. And uh, this episode was a lot of fun. So thank you guys so much for coming back week in and week out. Uh, This podcast is going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing episodes. I've got the next four episodes all planned out. Uh, And next week on the show, uh, it's kind of special to me. Uh, A lot of you guys might not know him, but uh, my actually my step cousin, I don't know if that's a term, but my step cousin, Adam Glass, uh, he was the singer in a band called Ripped Away that uh, was a band that my first band, Chronic Chaos, played with all the time. And then when both of those bands kind of ended, we started a band called The Widow Jenkins, which ended up later on, Joel Green, uh, alum from the podcast that used to be in the band, Emery, joined. uh, And uh, we had label interest, and we did some touring, and and it was just a lot of fun. And Adam's going to be on the show next week. And uh, I think uh, there's we had a really, really good conversation. And uh, I hope you guys come back and check that out. Even if you don't know what the Widow Jenkins is, or you don't know Adam, or even if you don't really know who I am, it's it's a good episode. I think you'll gain something from checking it out. So uh, make sure you're following us on all of the social media platforms, TOTOT Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and all that stuff. Please leave us a review. Call the hotline. We have a TOTOT hotline. It is 1-765-372-8818. That is 1-765-372-8818. Okay, so that's it. I'm going to leave you with a song by Philip's band, A Thorn for Every Heart. 
And uh, it was hard for me to choose. I, I had a couple on my computer, and then I had Philip send me a couple of songs that I that he thought maybe you guys would like. So I think I'm going to play 99 with an anchor, which is one of my favorite songs by them. So uh, I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure you're checking out my sponsors. Super excited to have rockabilia.com on, on board. So if you're going to rockabilia.com and you're going to buy something, make sure you put in the discount code PCTOTOT and save yourself 15%. So uh, yeah, check out rockabilia.com. So excited to have them as a sponsor. So without further ado, here it is, a thorn for every heart with 99 with an anchor. See you next week.
Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.